Welcome to another Momentary Mindfulness. We're back. Back in the flow. Back to the book we've been going through. To give me some shit to ramble on about. To help limit me in this crazy, limitless space of unending ideas that I could be spouting off right now. I'll tell you what, though. Sorry, there's something stuck in my teeth. That's not being mindful. I'm not staying focused. That's what what it's all about, people. Focus. So, anyways, I don't know if this book's going to be the death of me or it's going to end up enlightening me, even though I've already read it. But, ah, I tell you what, man, it's hard to... It's hard to stick things out for me. I've always known this about me. Um, Things that, okay, let me rewind. It's hard to stick with shit I don't want to do or be held and bound by. If it's something I enjoy, like the podcast, or I get to be artistic in some form, then sure, it's fun. You know, it's a little challenging. It pushes me. But then something like this book... You don't know how many times I've thought to myself, why the hell did you say you're going to go through a whole book? It's like, Ryan, you barely make it through most books. I have, I don't want to say I have ADD. I don't think I have ADD. I I was definitely told that growing up, but I definitely just don't like being held by shit. I don't know what it is, man. I just, so anyways, enough rambling about how I've just struggled with this going through this book with you guys it's not a struggle but it is what i mean is it's just like sometimes you know like last week i released uh, a momentary mindfulness with maddie mullins and it was cool because you know i was in nashville and i was like fuck man i'm like when am i gonna be back in nashville so i was like and i knew we didn't have time to because we were filming this music video together and the shot lists were like super tight throughout the whole weekend so I knew we weren't going to be able to have like a full on hour podcast. So I was like, why not do a momentary mindfulness? And we did. And it was fun. And so that's part of it too, is that I, I don't like being bound to this idea where I'm like, well, dude, I'm actually like, in this book. Like, well, I guess we could do one. I'll release it in like six months or whatever. So, okay. I'm done rambling. This is a badass book. If you haven't got it, no worries. It's called The Happiness Hypothesis. No, I wasn't told to do this. Uh, it's just a great book. And we're back in the pursuit of happiness. Uh, And there's this little section called finding flow. And I love this because the flow state has become one of the greatest states that I've ever felt. I didn't realize I was feeling it when I used to play a lot of music. I didn't realize it when I was a pastor up on stage in that like moment. Uh, You know, I've felt it in so many different moments. You feel it during a recording of a podcast or even now as I speak where I'm just kind of flowing with my thoughts and I'm trying not to think. But now that I'm talking about thinking, I'm thinking and I'm fucking up. No, I'm just kidding. But um, anyways, I really thought what the book said was, uh, was really cool. And so I thought maybe I'll just read most of the sections that I liked because they were most of them were studies. And I don't want to bro science it so hard that you only understand a quarter of it and then you get nothing out of it. So, anyways, you see, not all actions, however, will work. Chasing after wealth, prestige, for an example, will usually backfire. People who report the greatest interest in obtaining money, fame, or beauty 
are constantly found to be less happy and even less healthy than those who pursue less materialistic goals. So what is the right kind of activity? That happiness formula that I talked about a couple weeks ago, right? Well, there's a tool that helps psychologists actually answer this. It's the experience sampling method. And essentially, this study shows... It, let me get find the study. That way, I, I'll, I'll go through all the crazy talk. Uh, here we go. People carry with them a pager that beeps several times a day. At each beep, the subject pulls out a small notebook and records what she is doing at the moment and how much she is enjoying it. Through this beeping of thousands of people, tens of thousands of times... The study found out that people were really, what they really enjoy doing and not just what they remember have enjoyed. He, they discovered, uh, I should say, they discovered that there are two different kinds of enjoyment. One is physical or bodily pleasure. At mill times, people report the highest level of happiness on average. <laughs> I can testify to that. I love eating. People really enjoy eating, especially in the company of others, and they hate to be interrupted by telephone calls. Preach, preach, preach during meals or during sex. Oh, that's the worst. Like, bring, bring. Like, damn, I'm trying to get my pound town on. Whew. Anyways, focus, Ryan. But you can't enjoy physical pleasure all day long. By their very nature, food and sex satiate. To continue eating or having sex beyond a certain level or satisfaction can lead to disgust. Whew. I mean, I, I get what they're saying, right? But we all are thinking like, I don't know, man. I like to, I like to push the boundaries. <laughs> I do for food. That's for freaking sure. I will eat till I'm ready to die. I'm down to die for some McDonald's right now. Okay, that was not a sponsored ad. And McDonald's is really bad for you, but it's nostalgic and it tastes great. So fuck it. Anyways, back to the book. Uh, the big discovery is that there is a state many people uh, value even more than chocolate after sex. Even more than chocolate after sex? It is a state of total immersion in a task that is challenging yet closely matched to one's ability. You know what, what this means, right? If you're listening, you're like, what does that mean? We've all felt that. We're like, I know I can do this shit, but I ain't never done it before. So let me do it. And so you're in it and you're feeling it and you're winning it, especially with music. Anyways, I'll get back to the book. It is what people sometimes call being in the zone or flow because it often feels like effortless movement. Flow happens and you go with it. Flow often occurs during physical movement, skiing, driving fast on a curvy country road like a commercial, or playing team sports. Music. Flow is aided by music or by the action of others, both of which provide a temporal structure for one's own behavior. For an example, like singing in a choir, dancing, or just having an intense conversation with a friend. And flow can happen during solitary creative activities such as painting, writing, or photography. The key to flow is that there's a clear challenge that fully engages your intention. You have the skills to meet the challenge and you get immediate feedback about how you are doing at each step. It's the progress principle. 
You get flash after flash of positive feedback with each turn, negotiated each high note correctly sung, or each brush stroke that falls into the right place. Let me turn the page. In the flow experience, you see the subconscious, or what they call in the book, the elephant, and the writer, what would be your, your consciousness, not your... Or, uh, did I just say that wrong? Anyways, I'm not going to back up. The elephant is your fucking subconscious. The writer, your conscious. The person that you think is you. That's kind of not... The elephant is doing most of the work and flow state, running smoothly through the, the forest while the writer is completely absorbed in looking out for problems and opportunities, helping uh, wherever he can. The next breakdown to this that I love is pleasures and gratifications you see pleasures are delights that have clear sensory and strong emotional components such as maybe derived from food sex back rubs cool breezes gratifications are activities that engage you fully draw on your strengths and allow you to lose self-consciousness gratifications can lead to flow the big thing i feel like we mess up here in life is that pleasures must be spaced to maintain their potency. Eating a quarter of ice cream in the afternoon or listening to a new CD 10 times in a row are good ways to overdose and deaden yourself to the future pleasure. Whereas here's where the writer has an important role to play because the, the elephant, the subconsciousness has a t- tendency to overindulge. The writer needs to be encouraged to get up and, and move on to another activity. Pleasures should be both savored and varied. And I love how he goes in and he talks about how the French do this. See, the French, they eat many fatty foods, yet they end up thinner and healthier than Americans. And they derive a great deal more pleasure from their food by eating slowly and paying more attention to the food as they eat it. Because they savor, they ultimately eat less. Americans, in contrast, shovel enormous servings of high fat and high carbohydrate food into their mouths while doing other things like watching fucking TV. That's my favorite. The French also vary their pleasures by serving many small courses. Americans are seduced by restaurants that serve large portions. Variety is the spice of life because it is the natural enemy of adaptation. Supersizing portions, on the other hand, maximizes adaptation. Epicurus, one of the few ancient philosophers to embrace sensual pleasures, endorsed the French way when he said that the wise man chooses not the greatest quantity of food, but the most tasty. One reason for the widespread philosophical awareness of sensual pleasures is that it gives no lasting benefit. Pleasure feels good in the moment, but sensual memories fade quickly, and the person is no wiser or stronger afterwards. Even worse, pleasure beckons people back from more, away from activities that might have bettered them in the long run. But gratifications are different. Gratifications are they ask more of us, right? They challenge us and make us extend ourselves. Gratifications often come from accomplishing something, learning something, or improving something. When we enter a state of flow, hard work becomes effortless. We want to keep 
exerting ourselves, honing our skills, using our strength. And the key to finding our own gratifications is to know our own strengths. One of the big accomplishments of positive psychology has been the development of figuring out our strengths. You know, we've all taken those tests, right? And I want to actually break right now if you're listening, you know, either write this down or, or mark it. It's at 13 minutes-ish. Um, here's a free one in the book. I haven't purposely done this. I haven't, I haven't done this one, I should say. I've done a bunch. But I feel like I've always thought about my strengths in any way, so it doesn't matter. But if you'd like to do this test, it's www.authentichappiness.org. Authentichappiness.org. It's not a plug, but I believe in this book and I don't think they'd put some shit out there. Email me if it sucks. And then I'll come back on and say, authentichappiness.org sucks. Don't do it. No, I wouldn't do that because I don't care enough. I'll move on. So the biggest moral of the story of how you can use flow to hack yourself into a better state of happiness, play on the gratification side of your life and the way your mind, body, etc., works they did a rad study with these uh, students and they gave they wanted to give them kind of four uh, activities they could do throughout the day as a study and one was indulging in the senses by telling them to uh, take a break once a day to have ice cream in the middle of the afternoon you know savoring the ice cream actually sitting down and enjoying it and most said it was an enjoyable time but it it faded quickly right afterwards it was like ah okay cool I just had ice cream. It's over. And then the other three activities were potential gratifications, like attending a lecture or class that you don't normally go to or performing an act of kindness for a friend who could use some cheering up and write down the reasons you are grateful to someone and later call them or visit that person to express your gratitude. The least enjoyable of the four activities was going to a lecture, except for those whose strengths included curiosity and love of learning, they got a lot more out of it. The big finding was that the people experienced longer lasting improvements in mood from the kindness and gratitude activities than from those in which they indulged themselves, like the ice cream. Even the people were most nervous about doing the kindness and gratitude activities, which required them to violate social norms and risk embarrassment. Once they actually did it, the activities felt better and made them feel better for the rest of the day. Many students even said that their good feelings continued on to even the next day, which nobody said about the ice cream, right? (laughs) So it seems you can, even for a small level, increase your happiness by using your strengths, particularly, I should say, in the service of strengthening connections helping friends, expressing gratitude to people or to people you know or whatever, performing random acts of kindness every day could get tedious, but maybe once a week or once a month, right? So take maybe some initiative this week. Challenge yourself. Try to tap into that flow state. It is addictive, man. I mean, an easy way that people have at least heard before is maybe like a runner's high, right? Where you're in this moment, your body's fluently moving and you're pressing yourself. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's learning, reading a book, attending a lecture, watching a, a, a thoughtful YouTube video instead of one where someone's busting their ass or getting their 
ass beat. <laughs> Anyways, I'm always up to uh, to chat, to hear from you. You can uh, email me at lifegetshairy at gmail.com. I appreciate all your support. October 31st is coming up. That's going to be my two-year anniversary for the release of the podcast, so I'm super freaking stoked about that, and I appreciate all the support. This has been a huge learning process for me in my life, and I've grown a lot, and it's just it's awesome, man. I feel like we're all just growing together. We're all doing it together. When you zoom out, we're just one earth, brother. We're just one earth on floating on tectonic plates of lava. We're in this together. Anyways, peace and love, digital friends.